Who wants a Jedi sword? Wouldn't that be the cool? That'd be dangerous. You just think BB gun wars were bad as a kid. If you're a guy in the house, fire, bottle rocket wars were bad. It would have been terrible to have been a Jedi. But uh, anyway, good morning, church. How are you doing? Awesome, awesome. So good to see you. I am, I'll just be very, very transparently honest. I am having a very hard time trying to go... <gasps> Get some breath in my blood. I'm having a little trouble breathing today, not because anything bad, just stuff going on. My oxygen ain't getting flowing. So if you'll kind of respond with me today and we can work together, it helps me get my air going. Oh, the man, the man. Um, and I want to let you know something too. Hey, we're giving you these. These just have lines all over them. Just use it. At the end, you know what? At the end of today, it says, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me? We just want to put nuggets in your hand that God uses to uh, just continue you in that journey, the next step. Uh, even like a spontaneous baptism. How about that? Man, don't you love it? Wow. Also, you've got these on your chair. I know they said this. I'm just kind of double plugging. Uh, but uh, you got something that says a connection card and at the end you know what it says something that says in the middle in the blue it says my decision today I'm committing my life to Christ or I'm renewing my commitment to Christ and today God leads you in that next step and maybe you have been maybe you've been undecided you've been in that middle realm and today is the day you take your next step we want to be there with you we want to encourage you and we want to do any kind of thing we can to help you and uh, so just please just check that you can leave it on the seat we pick them up after church or you can turn it in if it's your first time to the uh, welcome center for a gift and uh, what we do is we celebrate the testimonies and the things that God is doing with the teams that get to pick those up so awesome 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 if I can today I want to celebrate just a lot of the good things that have been done a lot of good things that Jesus is doing how many of you like I don't know if you realize uh, pretty soon work did work this week some guys showed up to dig culverts and do things to extend parking that's awesome so uh, hopefully look forward to anybody that's got like one of them little six passenger golf carts you want to donate. We are accepting uh, those now. <laughs> Just <kidding. laughs> you know that. And free deer hunting leases, we take those too. But that's a whole other story. But uh, anyway, I'm excited about today and believing that it is absolutely God's word and God's timing and, uh, and it's just perfect. This is today. I'll, I'll tell you, if you've been around a little while, you've heard this before. If you've been around a while and you said, I've never heard this before, well, shame on you. You ought to remember stuff better than I remember stuff because I don't remember everything either. But this just, what we're going to share today, honestly, is for, for Danny Reed personally, I will say it's just the core of my heart. But it's just how God has wired me. How many of you realize he wired all of us differently, but when we work together, it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, but it's also, it is something that, that I preached back in 2014, something that God put in, in me, and it was not then, but it has now become the culture of this church. So if you're around and you're like, you know what, I don't know what they're putting in the Kool-Aid, but I like it, this is what is being put in the Kool-Aid, you know, if I can say that in church and it not be too weird. But, um... I've read about some Kool-Aid drinkers this morning, sorry. But anyway, if we uh, can, I just want to continue. I honestly believe that I wrote this to, to a note to myself a while back, 
that this is something when God gave it to me, I actually wrote in my notebook, I said, you know what, God, if you would allow it, give me every single time to preach this over and over and over again for the rest of my life, I could not be any happier. And since that, he's opened opportunity in numerous different churches and even in another country and in a couple of civic organizations and just totally non-church at all and got to open the window up with what we're going to share today, which I thought was like over and above and just have felt like God is saying, it's time to bring back. It's time to, to reintroduce and bring all of us on the same page. So I am pumped. So we're going li- to move ahead along with what God is doing. And what I want to do is kind of reconnect over the past few weeks. Uh, we started this series called Don't Waste Your Life. And I mean, how many of you want to waste your life? Okay, Un- unanimous uh, votes right there, I can see. But um, so what happened, we began, and we began with this idea of saying, you know what, we can add up all the busy activities, and we can, we can have, all, no matter how much we are able to get in business activities or work, finances, personal life goals, hobbies, and no matter how many things that we choose that we look around and we go, Wow, you know, maybe we see it wasn't the best investment of our time. Uh, I tried to be a used car salesman in my earlier life. I was trying to be that man who was going to do the extra and make extra money. And I have a radical gift. If you ever have a business idea and say, I'm going to get Danny to go in on this with me because I want to bless his life, don't. It will curse you. I can turn a dollar into a nickel in no time flat. I mean, I have, I have the gift. If you want to know how to lose it, I can show you how to use it. You know, I, I can, I've got you right there. Um, other people in my family, they just look at something and it's like it's a gold nugget. All of a sudden just radically appears. But that is not myself or any or my family. But uh, so what I did though is I, I started out my business venture. I was going to sell cars on the side. And I remember I found a sweet deal on a 98 Dodge pickup. It's kind of radical because now I have a 98 Dodge pickup. But uh Anyway, and, I, and I got it, and I got a deal, and I was like, I'm going to make somebody a deal. And I, sold, I put it in front of my yard, uh, which at that time, I used to have a double trailer kind of across the way here, so when you come up the street, you could see it. And I parked out there and just put for sale 2500 The garbage man picked up that morning and bought it by the evening. And I, I went, you know what? I wish I would have marked that thing up. I, what was I thinking, you know? So at the end of a business, I'm not trying to sound greedy, don't judge me, you would have to. But at the end of a business transaction, at the end of a hobby or something like, you know, that wasn't really that fun or some sort of thing. And we have, at the end of those, if we say, I wish I had or I'm glad I did, it's not really that big of a deal. It's over, it's done, we move on. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. We just move. But, You know what, when it comes down to this life that we had to live, this opportunity that we have, and we get to choose every day to the full, and to to get to the end of our life when we're in the place and we're going, "Eh, and we get to that phase and we look back over our life and we have the, the, the two options to say, I wish I had or I'm glad I did, then it's serious business. Because there is no catch-up. It's over. It's done. It's wrapped up. Whatever it is, it is. So those two statements. And after we, afterwards we have received this, here's what we're going to do. I want to hopefully today to move us to a life that, you know what, that nobody, that we all realize we have one chance to get this right. And, if it, and I believe it will be our co- congregation's desire to say, you know what, if we're going to get one shot to say, I want to get it right, that we have a unanimous, wow. We are glad we did. You know, so today as we move forward, 
I want you to know this isn't just some little talk that we walk away and say, that was good, I'm glad when church, what's for lunch, who's for supper, you know, all that kind of stuff, and just live our normal little lives doing the same old things in the same old worlds, having the same old conversations in the same little circle of life that we have. But today is so incredibly important, not only for you, but for every single person that you will encounter along the way in your day-to-day. So let's look at a verse to get this kicked off, and it comes in Philippians 2.17. Philippians 2.17. And Kyle is dominating the new on the media, like two or three weeks in, now moving to that professional level and watching how things are just sliding smoothly. Way to go, Kyle. Thank you. told Kyle last week, he said, do you need me for the 9 o'clock? I said, if you ever had the question that says, do I need, the answer is always yes. And, uh, and so he's like, I'm on it, and driving, making that 30-minute drive to be, thank you, man. says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful, your faithful service. Notice he takes it off of him and shoves it onto somebody else. Your faithful service is an offering to God. And he continues says, and I want all of you to share that joy. If I can just kind of concentrate for a brief moment, it says, I will rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering. I don't know if you're like me. I struggle with the English language. I, uh, this morning, as a matter of fact, for one of the slides, there's a word called disappointment or disappointment that's going to come across the screen in a sentence. I had to pull out my phone and act like I was texting somebody to type in the word to see if I was spelling it right or not. You know, I have trouble with the English, if it was one S or two S on the disc. I didn't know. But I had, I struggle. I, Callie corrects me forever. She's like, you need to go back and change, you need to just give me access to always change your Facebook and quit putting T-O for T-O-O. You know, so if you ever see stuff and you see my Miss Grammar, you just go ahead and hit a like and say, Callie ain't seen it yet. You know, just let it roll. So I'm saying that to say, you know what, sometimes in language there, there's different ways that words are used differently in different scenarios. It's used differently at different times. And, and the emphasis here, it's not because I'm smart, it's because there's a free website called blueletterbible.com. There's an app called Blue Letter Bible. I just highly recommend it. You can become a theologian overnight or at least fake it with a few people. And you can look up stuff that will help your life immensely. If you go like, what was going on then? What would it really mean? You can dig in. But Blue Letter Bible. And it says, I'll rejoice even if I lose my life pouring. This is the word I want to concentrate on, pouring, pouring. We get the concept. But pouring in the, in actually in the text here is, is a very strange place. It's like putting T-O when there was a T-O-O. This is not like two somewhere. That would have been also, you know, this is a different emphasis altogether. The terminology from whatever the original was to all that stuff, but the terminology is actually in, is, he's referencing saying, like as if my life is being slaughtered. It is a violent offering to God. I still rejoice. If I am losing my life under extreme violence and death for the cause of God. It's a little bit more than pouring to me. And Paul is a guy who has experienced near-death beatings. In his lifetime, he got 139 lashes across his back over the various times I had them together. He one time got left at sea, thrown and left, and he's hanging on a log for 36 hours. Would have, I would have just took the gulp of water and gave up. He's hanging 36 hours. 
for uh, wondering what's going to be next. Hey, there are different times where he went to a city of Lystra, and everybody's like, yes, man, you got the voice of God. And one, per- one little group of people come to town like, this guy's a jerk, man. He's a liar. They're like, let's kill him. And they just turn on him, literally, from putting him in such a status to, to kill him. And they stoned him until they thought he was dead, took him outside of the city limits because who wants dead people hanging around, and throw him in the dirt. He wakes up a while later with a group standing around him wondering what to do. And I don't know how the timing of all this worked, but in a nutshell, what he did is he dusted himself off when they freaked out because he was alive. And he's like, let's go back into town. We got some more stuff to do, guys. You know, this is the, what I'm saying. This is the guy, he knows what it means to literally be in a Roman Coliseum with thousands of people cheering while they let the lions loose on him, and yet he survived. He knows extreme situations is what I'm saying. And, and, and in all that, he declares, even if I lose, not win, but lose my life, I'll rejoice every step of the way as I pour it out as I have been given, as God has given this life completely to me. For a man with the good and a man with, with the bad experiences that he has, can I just say, if he's coming up and he's going to share that testimony, I'm going to give him some credit to say, he must really know what he's talking about. And many of us would say, yes, amen, preach it, brother. That's the word right there. That is truth. But what about when we take a step in the mirror and we quit just being cheerleaders and we take things personal? What if we backed off of this and I asked you in the midst of that, where do you run to for peace in your life? Where do you run to for fulfillment? Looking for that, that fix, that satisfaction. Where do you run to for contentment, for joy, to what really takes care of you? Where do you, where do you run to? I wonder what the answers would be, you know, because every day you and I, we, we give ourselves away. We're using the term pour out in a spiritual context, but the reality is every day we, whether we choose to or not, just because time is sucking by, we pour out our lives. Every single day, we have, whether you want to look at it as 24 hours, if you want to look at it as 1,440 minutes, if you want to look at it as the 86,400 seconds that went from 12 to 12. Every day, we give lots of hard-earned money, right? For things that we at some point, typically end up complaining about anyway. Don't run it right anymore. Something's wrong. Those people ain't fixing my stuff. Sorry, tires. Don't make them like they used to. I don't I thought that was the color paint I wanted. I don't even like that paint. We spend hard-earned money on things that at some point we are going to get tired of pretty quickly, but yet still be paying on it monthly. We give our hearts the temptation. If you're human and not like some weird extraterrestrial heavenly alien kind of thing and we give our hearts to negativity so often at times I don't know about you but do you ever just get to a place where you just complain and gripe and moan and worry and gripe and point and continue and then we get in the circle of people who think like us they gripe like us, they complain like us whether we're Republican or Democrat or Independent or Green or something brand new you want to come up with you know, we, we get in our little, our little circles that we just run things around and around, and then we end up getting offended. I know nobody here ever gets offended. 
What happens when we get offended? I understand if you just take it too fast, you can't go to jail in a hurry. But the average person, what do we do when we get offended? We stew over it. And we replay it. And we roll that conversation around. And we come up with a, man, I wish I would have said. If I see them, this is what I'm going to tell them. How, how can they say that about me? I, I didn't even tell on them. when. The... And the event is over. And we just roll it over and over. And for what? We poured out our hearts to useless places. And yet eternity was actually the only thing that really mattered in the mindset. I ask you, if that's the life, that's normal, that's average, but God didn't call anybody in here to be normal. I ask you, is that the kind of life that we desire to one day look back and say, man, that's, that's exactly what I want. I want to look back and man, have a calendar for every day to celebrate every day I griped about every little thing. Because if so, all we got to do is just keep on being normal. Just continue to let the process roll. But what if, let's just flip the script a little bit. What if we admitted, you know what, that all of our fulfillment and all of our joy and all of our peace and every last bit of satisfaction and, and gratitude and every bit of fulfillment that can be experienced never was ever the result of what we can have. But it's the result of who we have. When life isn't what we would like, maybe by chance, maybe it's the result, sometimes, maybe it's by random chance, sometimes by the choices that we're making. What is our normal reaction to the word I had to look up? Disappointment. What's our normal reaction to frustration? What's our normal reaction to sadness? These are all realities. They're not evil. It's just we live in a fallen world, so fallen things happen for many maybe maybe this is where sometimes some people say you know what I just need a long time and a long way away from everything else and everybody maybe this is where we go sometimes and say you know I just need some me time I just need to hide out I just need to think about some things have any of you ever found the answer when you went to think about it I never have I need to go to your thinking spot if you find it but there have been people that because of fear, and I'm sure it's a lot of them out there, but when the news gets, runs out of stuff to say about any particular thing, they go and find like this weird family that moved off into some mountain range somewhere that's living off of tree bark or something because they're so afraid of the influence the world was having on them, and they kind of focus in. You know, there's people that have taken this getting away thing to a little bit extreme. I get that. But in a normal world, what is our normal reaction to disappointment, to frustration, to, to sadness? Are we the kind of people that says, I just need me time. I need my space. Are we that kind of, kind of people? And whatever the knee-jerk reaction is today, the natural tendency is today, I hope to lead you to a place not of where maybe everybody, where the norm is accustomed to, but to lead you to a place where God tells people how to really find joy not, and how to truly find peace and how to really find comfort. And it's so wild and it's so simple that only God can think about it. I love that the greatest, most knowledgeable existence can make, things, can make it the absolute simplest form for any of us to pick up on. So here it is in Isaiah 58, 10. Isaiah 58, 10 and 11. If you pour yourself out for the hungry 
and you satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Then shall your light rise in the darkness, and your gloom will be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually, and he will satisfy your desire in the scorched places, and he will make your bones strong. You got some bone problems. I believe this to be a promise. Maybe God's saying, hey, hang on to it. Give out and watch the bones get strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. And I know we have a very spiritually elite crowd, people who can memorize. You're like the spelling bee people, except you can memorize scriptures in reverse. I mean, you're, I understand we are the, only the elite of the elite of the elite and the most deep prayer life people that's ever existed in here. And I get that, and I give credit to it. Praise God. But I bet I can guarantee that there is a spiritual level that nobody in here has hit yet. I bet there's nobody in here that woke up this morning, read their Bible, closed it and said, praise God, I know what I'm praying for today, Lord. If you give me only one thing, Lord, I don't want to be greedy, but I don't want to be bashful. Lord Jesus, today I pray that you make me like a well-watered garden. I bet it didn't happen. I bet if it did you might be a little weird, but it, I bet it didn't happen. I'd love to hear uh, about it too. But the setup is this. But, so hang with me. Because the setup is this in Isaiah 58. The people have been fasting. But they've been fasting. They've been praying. They've been doing these things. But only to say earlier in Isaiah 58, see God what we did? It didn't work. By verse 3, they even go so far as to claim, we've been hard on ourselves. I don't know how frequently you fast, but it's not fun or easy. So that makes sense. We've been hard on ourselves, and you didn't even notice. This is what they say. Come on, tell the truth. Have you ever been there, maybe teetering there now, where something hasn't gone quite right, and you don't mean to, but it's just kind of a slippery slope where we start taking inventory? You know what I mean? Taking inventory where we start noticing all the good things we do. And we start noticing the things that are beyond our control that are happening. And why won't God get involved? I mean, golly, I've been to, been to church like for three Sundays the, the past month. I put some money in the offering plate. And you know what? I even slipped it back in the brown box in the back when nobody was looking, putting a little extra in the bubble. But you know, Lord, you know, what you put, put Maybe, maybe, maybe you've done a little fast and been praying, and maybe you invited somebody to church, and you're like, you know what? I've been pretty good, God. I've been doing pretty good. I don't know if you noticed. So why are these other th areas of my life, why is that still happening? Because you know that's why I started getting so good anyway. Like, aren't you supposed to notice what I'm doing here and help me out? Because if you've ever been there, Number one, you're probably human, and so that's a desire. But number two, you know what? It's exactly where the people of Isaiah 58 are. And God gives them his word. And to summarize it in modern, in modern terminology for you and I here today, the, the summary goes like this. God responded, I hear what you're saying, but until there's some doing, ain't nothing changing. Until there's some doing, Ain't nothing changes. I loved, I connected with a church a, a little while back, and I just saw a lot of good things. I saw people getting free of addiction. I saw people getting saved. I saw radical moves. I saw radical influence that they had within the lost population. And I remember, and I was just amazed. I love to see these things where God is moving and just kind of get close to it. And like, what in the world happened, you know? And, and I'm actually talking to a guy in the media department, 
and that, that's you know, doing slides and creating video and doing different things on that angle of it. And he's not like some preacher talk or anything like that. Your average, you know what, raising his wife, his children, his doing, doing things. And, uh, and I said, you know, has, has this always been like this? He's like, no. He says, matter of fact, he said, I can remember, you know, we, it, life has been good and church has been good. He said, but I remember when the shift came and he said, he said, we just began getting the revelation of giving and understanding, you know what, we, we were given to give. And he said, and it caught on with the wind of the church. And as the culture of the church became there, people began radically giving. And when, as the giving happened, man, life just turned around. People started getting saved. And literally, this church has been able to plant hundreds, if not thousands of churches. Supports, help support hundreds of churches every single month. Raised up more people and sent out more missions than I can keep count of. And just radically, and all from a very urban setting. It's like, you'd never have a clue. Never have a clue anything was going on. But they're radically shaping the, the world. And it's just because God opened the window as they opened, as they opened their, their activities. I can, I can say for this church, I can verify without a doubt. I can put this, I can take you, chart it on paper. There's always a direct relationship. When you see people giving their lives and taking next steps of baptism and going next steps and getting involved in, in different areas of the ministry, there's always a very distinct direct connection. You say, well, don't you pray? Well, yes, we pray. Well, don't y'all try to preach truth? Well, yes, we preach truth. Don't you help people and do things? Well, of course we do. But there's always, there's a direct connection that is beyond all that. And the direct connection is this. When I can mark it as the dream team grows, and those who serve in that aspect grows. There's always a very direct relationship with people coming to Christ. Over, and it's just, it's predictable. If there's a stagnation in the dream team, it is not growing, everything else kind of hangs. I'm saying this, that's not a guilt trip. I'm just saying, man, if you're not getting in, you're missing out because there's people that are not coming to Christ that God wants to use you with. But also, I can say this, in direct relationship with the outreach ministry that we do every single month. First Saturday of every single month, coming up in two weeks. As, the, as new faces plug in and more people get involved in that, more people are reached. It's just, it's just a flow. They keep doing the same style of ministry, the same way, going to the same place. But when they're, as the population of people that are involved grow, as new people come in to give out, there's always an outpouring that happens with every, every single time. And there's a direct connection. So here's what Jesus says. That's what God said. You want to come out of darkness? You want to come out of gloom? Good. He said, I'll tell you what. I'll make your midnight like noon. And here's how we're going to do it. You pour yourself out for the hungry. You satisfy the desire of the afflicted. And I'll take care of everything else. You pour yourself out for the hungry. You satisfy the desire of of the afflicted. Well, they did it to, mm -mm, doesn't matter. Who did what to anybody, to ourselves or whatever. I think we've all done enough to ourselves to go on and get in that bucket, right? And he says, if you'll do that part, I'll take care of every other detail there is. The eternal things that actually literally matter. A little story from my own personal family is, in 2012, we were traveling to another country to uh, bring home a daughter of mine. And uh, I remember sometimes it seems like God is setting things up and really the devil is setting things up. 
And it just so happened that the place we were going to, which is a very obscure place, and, and it has no highway in or out. You're just, I mean, you, it's, it's coming down a river or by plane. It's totally off a beaten path in every facet. And it, after we are two years, we're 30,000 in. We're miracle after miracle after miracle of God's provision and seeing what he's done. And we get to this place where we are ready to go. We know who our daughter's name is. We know exactly where we're going. We don't, you know, we just know by maps, but that's about it. And so we're getting ready, and it just so happens that somebody that I went to school with is from there. And this person loves Jesus, takes people in her home, her and her husband, reach people radically. I would, I would love to, if my daughter's ever, i say, you know what, what is a good example I'd follow? I'd like to say, let me take you to this lady's house for a month and just copy her. And watch how they do things in their family because, I mean, they are just, that's where they are in, in my eyes. And she calls up. We don't have a close relationship, so she just knew our story and, and just went to work in the background. And she calls uh, Callie up and says, I need to talk to you. She says, okay. says, where you're going is actually where my family is. And said, oh, awesome. And says, I called my mom to see if she knew of anything in that location, and she said that my aunt is the administrator of the orphanage you were going to. I was like, whoa, that's a Jesus connection. All right. And it says, yes, and said, and so my mom called my aunt and gave them the name of your daughter that you're going to get. Wow. God's setting things up. They're going to have some cake also when we get there. It's going to be good, you know. And my aunt said, you don't want to come. That ain't what I was wanting to hear. And my aunt says, I just need you to know, I just feel such a burden and sincere. I said, mm, you make your choice, but I just want you to know what my aunt told and gave the message. She said, please get this message to that family that they do not want to come. If they come and they take this child home they will not have the rest of their life it will consume them in every way there is no way anybody should come for her this is her words and I mean I came home from work I didn't know about this I come home from work that day and there's Callie is standing in the kitchen and and she's broken and she's messed up she's like I talked to you and I can remember so 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 vividly sitting in and there, and I kick back against the sink and as she's talking to me and looking me in the eyes, and she replays the whole conversation back through me, and we just broke. <clears throat> and it wasn't broke because of actually what she said. It was broke because of the options that we knew we had. And these were the options. I remember this is not Danny. This is just the Lord steps in on the stupid sometimes. Praise God. And, and I just remember it came so clear to me. Man, life was wonderful. Life was cushy. We got to travel. We got to do different things uh, way beyond what we should have. It was just, we had an easy life. I'm just going to say that. We had an easy life. And I'm going to tell you what, you can have the easy life. It stinks. Get you, get you a good hard one. It's good. You see Jesus in it a whole lot more. It's so good. And so, so we had our easy life. And I looked and I said, you know what? 
we can continue. Here's the options, basically, that we have on our plate. We can, we can continue our little life, and we can be a little pastor of a church and this little small place, and we can continue. Everything goes as it is, and life goes on, and case are us around. We can raise our children, and everything can go happy, and we can have picnics and eat dandelions and whatever all that kind of stuff works out to be. And, and we can have all this, this cushy little life and have the little American dream, you know, and just allow God to do his work and see somebody get saved every year or two or three or something and, and you know and just you know enjoy life and take it easy and no pressure and we will raise our children to be the extreme heathen who do not understand who God is or any of his miracles or his power and they will totally miss the whole plan that God has for them because we set the sorry example of showing them the God of comfort not the God of surrender or we can continue to say yes to where we know God has led us this whole time. And we can continue to say yes and go ahead and book our ticket and get out of here and trust God's provision and his promises over anybody else's word. And we can see only his miracles unfold from this day forward and live out in the plan that he actually has. And we broke and we wept. But we wept with rejoicing. That's not to say, well, Danny, that's, well, no, 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 no. God steps in for the weak. He is the God that is worth surrendering our weaknesses to. Didn't you have fear? Well, of course. Nobody's like superpower without Jesus. I can think, I can continue on of a story of a lady named Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot died recently in her 90s here in the last few years. Her husband was Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot, in the night, around 1954, if I remember, in Central America, lost his life because he gave uh, over a decade of his life to prepare to meet this tribe that nobody had ever reached. And upon meeting them face to face for the first time, they come running at him and the other guys with him and murdered them cold on the spot. Never even had the chance to have any kind of conversation. Though he had dedicated over a decade of his life starting in high school and up to around 30s or so to, to giving his life to reach this one group of people that God put a burden on his heart that everybody said, don't do it, don't do it. It looks like everybody was right to some degree because they murdered him on the spot. Well, his wife is Elizabeth Elliot. She is now a widow with a child. She ends up going back and moving to the tribe that murdered her husband and the man that actually directly murdered her husband took responsibility for raising the child. Being as a grandfather kind of stature in there. And, and Elizabeth is at home one day and she has a friend. I'm going to call her friend's name Susie because we don't know her. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. I don't remember her name. But Elizabeth, uh, Susie calls up Elizabeth and says, and so Elizabeth's like, hey, how's it been going? What's going on? She said, well, life ain't too good. I said, well, what's wrong? Says, the church has abandoned me, Elizabeth. And the story for Susie was she had been married for 15 years only to discover the last four years of her marriage before her husband left her and her children alone that he had been in another affair the entire time with another woman and he finally just came to the point like you're on your own and left her and her children to be on their own. And a year has gone by now. He says, the church has abandoned me. What do you mean the church has abandoned you? She began to complain. It says, well, they're just not helping me like they used to. And so Elizabeth just quickly replies and says, I think you're expecting a little bit too much. I said, what do you mean expecting too much? They're a church. They're supposed to help me. I would love to be this church. I don't know their name. And I pray, God, may we be this church. To which Elizabeth replied, because she knew the story, because they were friends, and says, when your husband left, didn't they help find you a house 
and help pay for it? Well, yeah. Well, haven't they, didn't they find you a job? Because she didn't work before her husband left. Well, yeah. Didn't they also help provide food on a weekly basis, bringing food to your home for this entire last year? Well, yes. Haven't they helped tutor your children through school for over this last year? Well, yes, they have, but they're not doing it anymore. They left me. To which Elizabeth says, honey, I think it's time you begin applying a, lot, a little bit of Isaiah 58.10 to your own life. And says, what do you mean? She said, well, look it up. She reads it, which we read earlier. To which Susie, of course, replied, I'm such a mess, though, Elizabeth. How can I help anyone? I'm the one in need. How can I do anything for anybody? To which Elizabeth's response was this. A lady who had her husband murdered cruelly, abusively, slaughtered with the machete that he gave to the man. A, man, a, a lady that knew what it was like to get left alone in another country, in a jungle land, to be all on her own. To go back into the place and forgive the people who did the horrible things and to see that entire tribe reach for Jesus. Her husband didn't do it, but because of what her husband did, the, all those widows went back and did get to reach this unreachable tribe for Jesus. And they went from murdering to giving people life. It's radical. To which Elizabeth replies and says... You will find out when you give out. You will find out. I wonder if we could say it together. You will find out when you give out. You will find out when you give out. And she finished it up and said this. And there is no therapy like it. Like Paul said, and I believe his words have some credentials because of what he's been through. I believe whenever she says, and there's no therapy like it, I'm going to take the lady at her word because of what she's been through. I think she's earned the marks to say it is trustworthy. The flesh tells us we need what we need to have joy. The flesh tells us what we need to have peace. The flesh tells us what we need to be fulfilled. Yet God's word tells us what to give. It's in the giving. It's in the pouring out that we actually gain the most. It's in the pouring out. In the U.S., there, there are famous bodies of water. How many of y'all ever read the names of whatever river or stream it is you're crossing whenever you approach a bridge? Yeah, how many of you are like me? Like, if you miss it, you're, you're, you kind of slow down a little bit, so when you go on the other side, you can look back and see what it was. Do I have any that go to the next level with me? All right, and, like, run people off the road. We won't talk about them, though. They were going to go in a ditch anyway, probably at some point, right? But, so, uh, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm like, I want to know what the name of it is. And I never remember a name. You can ask me a minute later. I don't remember what it was. But for some reason, I want to know. And for some reason, we have taken it upon ourselves in, in this great country that, you know what, if it's got a bridge, whatever's on that bridge has a name. It doesn't matter. And so, so what happens is there, there is a famous body of water within the U.S. that I would be willing to say that nobody in here knows about unless you've heard this before because I've never yet in sharing this to lots and lots and lots of people, I've never met one person who went, yeah, I know what that is. So I'm going to introduce you to a place. It's a place, I've even got a picture of it. It's called Nicolette Creek. Nicolette, or that's how I pronounce it, Nicolette Creek. N-I-C-O-L-L-E-T. Nicolette Creek. There it is. 
It goes, it winds through a path, it goes through fields, it goes through woods, it goes through different places. It's nice. It uh, really is very shallow. Um, I like watching a YouTube video. This guy for like 15 minutes is walking down it trying to find where it all starts. And uh, I found one where the guy had white boots and I was like, I know this is the Lord leading, you know. Any, any man that's that Cajun where this is, this is the Lord leading, making the connections. And so he's walking through and, and it wouldn't even be over his boot. Not very, like, so what? You know, no big deal. But the significance is this. Even though it's small, and it may be pretty, it never, ever, ever stops flowing. Never. I don't know when it began, but I do know it has not had an end yet. And it's been going for, I would venture to say, thousands of years. How does that happen? I don't know. Here, here the, the picture of Nicolette, but the significance of Nicolette Creek is this. Because it never stops flowing, it flows into a body of water that is bigger than itself. You may or may not know it. It is called Lake Itasca. I-T-A-S-C-A, something like that. Anybody ever heard of it? Okay. Lake Itasca. Lake Itasca is not very famous for what it is, but it is famous for where it is. It is famous because here's what happens. No matter how big you are or how small, the principle applies. There, there is no way for, to continually take in without something beginning to come out. There is, you know, a pond has a spillway. A lake has to have a spillway. Anything that has a continual in source has to have a continual outsource with the exception of one. And so the task, though it's much larger, regardless of being larger, because it takes these little streams in, the small creek never stops pouring into it. So at some point, some point lake Atasca pours out and let me show you I can show you what the spillway we went there this morning got on site in the nine o'clock service to take pictures and um, this is it in the deep parts of North America this is the rocks right there are where Lake Atasca, the spillway, is coming over. And this guy, uh, those people walking across the spillway, this guy in the red shirt is actually walking in something that you know very well. Because the point where he is walking is actually the very beginning of the Mississippi River. And so Lake Nicolette Creek and the Lake Atasca, and this is the birthplace of the Mississippi River. Not very significant there, but you know what? It's on our minds every day. Especially with a one-lane bridge, it's on more people's mind than ever before in this community. How can you, I hope this isn't offensive, how can you not drive across one lane? But that's a whole other story. <laughs> Cell phones. <laughs> what? Do, I totally shouldn't have threw that in there. <laughs> Edit that out. But, it, but here, the, remember... This little overflow is on so many people's mind because it flows, it begins the Mississippi River. But the Mississippi River all only started, the Mississippi River would be nothing without the little stream that never quits giving to it and keeps pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. Remember Susie? Susie, as she spoke to Elizabeth, said after all the hard times of her life, what do I have to give? Can I say, just turn this around? Don't ever say, what do you have to offer? Don't ever say, what do I have to give? I don't have nothing. Don't ever tell me 
that you don't matter because it's time that some of us got out of our bubble and got a little bit of a cause that's much bigger than just ourselves. Some of us wonder, we don't, we wonder, why would the devil even care about little insignificant me barely making my rent on the end of a road and barely making the job and don't get involved with anybody's mess? Why would the devil care about little insignificant me? I'm on the beaten path. I live so far out the lights don't even reach. You know, why? Because when little insignificant you gets so caught up in pouring out your life and your resources and your time and your compassion and your heart out, though it may seem small at the beginning, because you keep pouring, the impact you make on the people of this earth becomes so much greater than anything you can ever come close to imagining. It's not after your now. He's after what's coming after your now because of what you're doing with your now. No wonder Paul said this. Philippians 2.17, that I will rejoice. No wonder. Even if I pour my life out like a liquid love offering to God, Paul's desire in pouring out never was about being famous. Paul's desire in pouring out was to make those he poured into bigger than himself. Paul's desire for pouring out was to make the God who poured into him bigger than anything he could ever pour out himself. It was always about making God and others more famous than himself. He poured his life, his actions, his greatness, even his smallness. To the Jesus who gives greater to people than Paul ever could. And he found his greatest joy, not in what he could gain, but in giving what he had. There's another famous body of water that is constantly poured into. There is one exception to this rule. There's one that people travel far, far for, much further. If you're in the U.S., much further than to either one of these places. It, it takes you a trip, takes you going overseas, takes you getting to some of the greatest places and some of the most dead of places all in the same scope. And it is a place called the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is, is cool in that it's got all this salt content, but it is so radically filled with salt content because it continues to take in, but it never lets out anything. And so people travel because they like to go out there and they like to sit up and go out there and you don't need a raft. And so the, all the little cheap things that pop anyway go out of business and you just hang out there in the water and you float and you, it's famous reading your newspaper like this guy's got mud. It's famous, it's, it's supposed to be so awesome and healthy for you to get all this mud all over you and then go hang out in the Dead Sea and let it just pull the mud off. It's supposed to be to, to bring all your junk and to let it get clean there. But the only thing that it is good for in the end is just a short visit to make a few people feel clean and have nothing of lasting result except death because anything that tries to live there dies. It's kind of how we can handle our spiritual life if all we do is want to take in, take in. Hey, clean me up. I've had a rough week. Pick me up for my week, preacher. You know, hey, I'm going to church today. Get my next step. Hey, I read my Bible today because it's going to pick me up. And, uh, and I believe in doing all these things. But if we, get, if we get too sideways that all we do is look for what we can take in and don't realize that the purpose is to give out, all we get is a good cleaning every now and then and we bring death to everyone around us. I see these two as a representation of you and I. We can live a life constantly pouring out for others because of what God has given. And we can become more fulfilled and more greater reaching than we could ever imagine. Or if all we do is we just come, we sit, we soak, we take. We adjusted our schedule. We gave our money. So, hey, give me something. I can get my mud off. Then you know what? We will die. And we will bring death to anything we touch. 1 Corinthians 15, 10, as we come get close to a close, it says, whatever I am now, it's because God poured out his special favor on me 
and not without results. I love the message translation that says it like this. I am here by God's grace and I'm not about to let his grace go to waste. Isn't that good? If I, if I can leave you with something today, it's this. Wherever you are now, whatever it took to get you to where you are today in life, whatever you have made it through, whatever it has been, the only reason that you and I are here today is because of God's special favor. And it's called grace. Grace. He looked and he searched for people who did not know him and who did nothing to give any value. And he poured himself out for us anyway. It's exactly what Jesus did. But by the grace of God, another translation says, I am what I am. God gave you and me, like he gave this man right in 1 Corinthians 15. Grace poured out extravagantly. Special favor at our worst in our most unqualified times. He died for our sins, poured out his life on us. And the greatest way to experience this is not by what we can take, but what we can give. So it's not the Bible knowledge. It's not, I believe we should know the Bible and not disregarding anything. But sometimes we get so Bible, Bible knowledge rich and fruit poor that we're no use to anything. It's not about the amount of Bible knowledge and scriptures I can memorize, though I think we should. It's not about the eloquence of our prayer, though I think our prayer should be ever increasing and, and moves mountains and accomplishes great things. You know what? It's, it's not about the, even the, making the, the list, list of how much I gave and how much I did, though I believe radically in all of this. The full measure of this life that Jesus has given to us is experienced by how much we pour out for others. So if I can illustrate this, um, can I find a sucker in the crowd? Todd, can I have Todd in the crowd? <laughs> we got, the pool is for safety purposes. We're going to pretend, we're going to say, we're going to start here. This is us. We all come here, we are, we're just an empty vessel. What in the world do I have to give? And then, then we begin to understand the grace that Jesus poured out on us. He gave his life for us. And we began to, uh, you don't have anything in your pocket, do you, in case it spills? Okay. And we begin, and then, though we are undeserving, it says, you know, we are all given a measure. We are all given grace. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. And you know what? He comes along, and he gives us everything we need. But he says, I want you to pour it out. And as we pour it out, we don't run out. He continues to fill us back up. And it continues, and it comes to this place where we begin, we don't have to, what we're poor just continues giving and giving to the part where the supply line seems to come ever, ever more so. And he begins, we continue to pour, and he continues to pour. And then he, you know what? Our ability grows. And he gives us a, bit, a better way to receive. He gives us a bigger bucket that we can pour out even more. And it begins to pour. And we pour. And, and as we pour out, he continues to pour out. And we pour out. It keeps coming. It keeps coming. And it comes to this place where John 1.16 says it like this. I love this. 
He says, John 1, 16, New American Standard Version says this, and God, from his abundance, has poured out on each one of us grace upon grace. I don't know if you get the full measure of what grace is. It's, just think of it in simplistic terms. It's getting what I don't deserve. That Jesus took what I deserve so I could have what he deserves. That's grace. Not when we did something to deserve it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We covered that really well last week. If you weren't here last week, go back, watch it, podcast it, whatever your flow. Go through the church app, Cornerstone Vidalia, you can find it. But he, he says he pours it. Not only that, though, but he says, not from out of God's lowness. You know, if you ever heard, I don't care if I got a shack in heaven as long as I'm there. I'd rather be a, a street sweeper in the house. Well, I don't care what it is as long as I'm there. Come on, you ever heard this kind of stuff? Bunch of garbage, man. Even got you a mansion. Don't be settling. Hey, you're not settling. Just have your right heart. Jesus, I want everything you give me. I don't want to shortchange you and tell you your stuff's not good enough. So, so what he does, but he says, you know what, not only that, but John 1.16 says it's grace upon grace. Upon grace. Upon grace. Meaning, and not from his little, but from God's abundance. I don't know how God does this, but if he's got a side that he calls abundant, then I'm going to assume he's got a side that he calls maybe different, normal, whatever. I want to, if he's going to offer from his abundance, I'm going to take from his abundance. I want to say, Lord, give me whatever you want to give, right? So he continues, and here's what he does. And so he gives us a bigger bucket, and it says, and he pours out on us. As we begin to get this grace message, he began, we begin to pour out and pour out and pour out until no longer is it the bucket that we carry and the thing that we poured out, but we just begin to live in such a way that we discover, you know what? It's just poured out. <laughs> Hang right there. We begin to realize... You know what? We, we move from this. We move from this. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. To wow, this is where God has called me to live. We don't have to have a vessel anymore. We just become a conduit. Then it just continues to ever flow through. You can clap on that. That's good. So here's what I want to say. The greatest freedom... No matter what you've come to in this place, the greatest freedom is not the sin that you fight. The greatest freedom is not the things that get better. Like Clay said last week, you can make me a whole lot of better and it still ain't that good. But he makes us brand new. But by giving, it's not by the things that we fight, but it's by giving as we give grace and we extend grace and we pour out our love to serve his, our lives to serve others, then God declares, you know what? When you do that, I don't care what. And I'm not using examples because I don't want to feel like I am prodding in any situation that anybody be like, you didn't have to say that, Danny. You just stirred stuff up. But we all know when, when it says this, if you will pour your part out, that part you call gloom, I turn into great joy. Amen. And that part you call like a doomy, gloomy midnight, I'll make it bright as the noonday.
that even the darkness in, in your life will become light wherever you are. You know, if you'll take that, that most feared, that most sacred, that most hidden, that most confusing, that most that I wish didn't happen, whether it happened because of our choice or just happened to us, if you'll take that deepest part, that deepest worry, that deepest hurt, that deepest sorrow, that deepest confusion, that deepest unknown, that deepest, that dark the stuff that, that hangs out. And he says, you know what? I'm not even telling you to resist, 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 resist the darkness. I'm just telling you, you know what? If you'll begin pouring yourself out from where you are with what you, what you have already been given, then I will even, my byproduct, the byproduct of God, is he says, I will take all that darkness and I will make what is dark bright as noonday. And then he continues and he says, and you will be like a well-watered garden. And that never, ever, ever, the flow never stops pouring. And it pours, and it pours to the point where you may have started as a Nicolette Creek, but you end up like the mouth of the Mississippi River of God as it begins because it just continues to come and come. And you can wake up and say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you made me a well-watered garden because I was dry, dry and sick and tired. But I, uh, you know what? You just asked me to pour. I had nothing, but I, I just gave myself. I gave my little bit of time. I gave that nickel on their groceries because I had an extra nickel when I was in the next part in life. I, I just, I, I, you know, I, I didn't think it would matter all that much, but I noticed, you know what? In every little bit I give, you don't give me because of what I give, but you've already given me, so I give because you've already given me. And this natural flow just continues to keep going thank you so much for awakening me that I don't have to take inventory because I can just give before I ever take inventory because I'm not given to get I'm just given to give because of what I've been given amen so with heads bowed and eyes closed here today as there's a wet man on the stage figuring out what to do next I share with you today what I believe literally is one of the most pivotal transitional messages for any single person in life. Just recently, my, my own personal family is, you know, when you just, everybody has stories. Everybody goes through things. And I began to realize some things like, you know what? This is the kind of day I need to go find somebody to pour out on. Not because I'm smart. Just because God's word just happened to be remembered. I don't need to sit here and think. I don't need to sit here and figure. I need to get out and find somebody with a need. Because as we pour out, he pour, continues to pour on. Good measure, shaking together, running over so that we cannot contain it. And I'm asking in here today, maybe you have fought the sin battle for long enough. Maybe, maybe, maybe you have fought the, 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 to find the freedom, to find contentment, to how would I go on. And you're like, man, I'm reading my Bible. I, I say I love Jesus. I believe in all this. But today that Jesus is making you alive and aware in such a way that you're realizing, saying, oh, it's not just believing in that you died. It's believing that you also still live and that you can live through me. And so Jesus, today, if this is you today, if you believe, saying, God, I believe today was for me. You have awakened me. I do not have to hide anymore. You have shown me that I now have something worth giving and I trust you enough 
that I'm going to begin giving. Show me how. If that is you, I'm not going to make a